Hey Nerd Herders, you're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I recap and analyze the 10th episode of Chuck, Chuck vs. the Nemesis. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at GoChuckPodcast and email us at GoChuckYourselfPodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget, you don't need a supercomputer in your head to like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You just need one in your hand, so don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Thank you very much for doing that, and now, here we go! from around the world you're listening to go chuck yourself this is the world's favorite chuck related podcast where we talk about chuck 11 years after it's on the air specifically the first season we go in depth every time a different episode each week this week we are talking about chuck versus the nemesis and we are going to have a good time doing it my name is chris gillespie and I am, as always, joined by my nemesis, Aaron Arada. I was going to make that joke. This is why we're nemesises. This is why we're nemesis... Nemesi? Nemesi? Ne- <laughs> Namaste? <laughs> Namaste, Namaste, Namaste. <laughs> Anyhow, this is unbecoming because if you listen to last week's episode, Aaron and I decided that we are frenemies. Uh... So, this episode's going to be very heated. We're going to be arguing a lot. It's going to get very personal. Okay. Yep, yeah, yeah, well. You have my word. It will be, <laughs> this is the, the, it's a little bit after Thanksgiving, we understand that, but this will serve as our Thanksgiving episode, and what Thanksgiving episode would be complete without heated, very passive-aggressive comments, and maybe even some just, like, straight-up fights. So, um, I'd like to start, um, I just, I'm just gonna get right in here and, uh, get, get talking about politics right away. Okay, um, po- Oh, wow. All right. Politics. Yeah. So as we are uh, recording this episode, uh, elections recently happened. And Chris, I wanted I wanted to ask you something um, about you. If you were uh, going to run on a platform, what what would that be? Wow, Aaron, I appreciate how organic that came up in conversation. <laughs> that didn't seem like that was planned at all. That seemed like it really came from deep in your own heart. Yes, the elections uh, as of this taping were recently completed um and now we we look forward to the next election which will be coming up in a in briefly two years and because the election cycles are so you know sped up or i don't know if it's sped up or slowed down anyhow thinking about 2020 obviously who's going to run for president i think that i have a pretty good idea that's going to be a game changer i'm going to announce it right here on go chuck yourself uh i don't i so i'm going to be running with this idea but I can't run with either party because I don't think either party has the balls to implement <laughs> the idea that I have. So, as listeners of this show know, Aaron and I are in two different parts of the country, which is pretty far away. We're so far away that the Earth is facing... The, the Earth doesn't face the sun at the same time for both of us. And as a result of that, we have different time zones. All right, you see where I'm going with this, Aaron? So so far, uh, you have you have me. Okay. So, what do you think is 
the biggest cause of discord in the global community. Do you want me to say time? Yes, time. time. All right, all it's right. time. Specifically that we're not all on the same time. Because oh, no. we're in different time zones. It's every, you know, different slices of the planet are in different times at any given time. No and, pun intended. Yes. <laughs> However, I propose my idea to solve this, to bring the world together, is to get rid of time zones. Hear me out. We're still going to have time. We're still going to have clocks. But everyone is going to be using something that would probably resemble military time. Like 24 hours, that's it. There's no a.m. p.m. It's 0 through 24. And the only difference between this is that everyone stays the same, but with the time zones, like you go about your life and you, you know, you could do a 9 to 5 thing. I do a 9 to 5 thing in my time zone, but in reality, like you're behind me a little bit. And we only have the time zones and these time standards because we want to have like these norms where we feel like we're doing things, you know, around certain times that we feel comfortable with. We eat breakfast at 8 a.m., we go to lunch at noon, we have dinner at 6 p.m., what have you, you work 9 to 5. But, hear me out, my idea, it's the same time always around the globe and people in different areas just do things at different times. So like, you can be going about your day in Los Angeles and like a normal day in Los Angeles could be, pick any kind of 15 hour window. You could be like the, the two o'clock to the 17 o'clock place. And then we know that like, while I'm doing two o'clock to seven o'clock or 17, sorry to lose myself, okay. So you, like- You lost me uh, a little while ago. So please, <laughs> please keep trying to dig yourself out of this. I feel like Kanye West talking to the president. <laughs> Think about it. Like it would just be all the all that would be different would be that like we know that people in Los Angeles do things at a different time than we do the things, but we still are not using. <laughs> all right, I'm just, we're starting to lose this a little bit, so I'm gonna try to bring it back up. Think about it though. It's I have a slogan for my campaign, and it's it's one world. One clock, one dream. And we can bring the whole world together by using the same time system. Um, and, it, you know, it's always going to be somewhere between 0 and 24. And it's... People it will just be doing things in a different way than they are currently doing. And I think it will bring everyone together or cause World War III. I'm not sure, but I think it's worth a try. Alright, I have something... That's going to be my platform when I run against you in 2020. Okay. It is also about time. Okay. Specifically, it is about the film About Time, which everyone will be required to watch every day. And that's it. That's my whole platform. Every day? That's a bit excessive. Every, every single day. We also have to watch the film every day, every day. I'm not familiar with that one. I know about time. I would say, like, most people should watch about time. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, you want to, like, confront, like, your dad's mortality and, like, love with Rachel McAdams. And, like, if you, like, make minor changes, it affects your children. Like, yeah, we all need a little bit more about time in our uh, time. That's right. It's a tearjerker. Yeah. yeah, so that's my platform. And uh, also, you know, fuck you. Frenemies. <laughs> Frenemies Thanksgiving. I uh, celebrating Thanksgiving. I just had a a large meal. Uh, 
I'm not gonna talk about my job, but one component of my job is that sometimes I get to do anonymous taste testing that my company buys. I was taste testing Southern comfort food in my neighborhood this Ooh. evening. So if I have to leave abruptly during this recording, <laughs> you know why. I am currently right. fine. Uh, the food was okay, but that is what I'm dealing with. I ordered this food before I realized that I was watching a Thanksgiving episode of Chuck. I was nice that I could have a, a nice little feast with the Bartowskis and fam friends and family. Oh, was it? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was a feast. Do you want to talk about time more or do you want to talk about the episode? I'm happy to uh, talk about the episode, Chris. Wait, before we do that, you wanted to, you were crapping on me for my time ideas. I need to crap on you for oh, no. living in a bunker for your whole life <laughs> and having just recently listened to Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen at the age of 25. At the age of 25. I just told Chris that um, as of this weekend, I am no longer unfamiliar with the song Bohemian Rhapsody. I guess, truth be told, I was always familiar with the song, but I was just waiting for the right time. Ah. See, time. But uh, I had always kind of thought that, you know, I wanted to be, um, when I listened to Bohemian Rhapsody for the first time, I wanted to be like with someone special, maybe someone who I loved. And I just wanted, like, the moment to be right. I wanted, like, all the vibes, all the feelings. So you were going about your life, what, openly denying Bohemian Rhapsody? Or you were pretending that you knew what Bohemian Rhapsody sounded like? No, I mean, I knew what it was. I think I'd heard all of the individual components at one point or another. For example, on Halloween night, we were um, waiting in line for porta potties and everyone in line for the porta potties simultaneously burst into Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. But I had never heard the full five minutes and 50 seconds song mm -hmm. uninterrupted all at once in its entirety originally as performed. So this weekend, I broke my streak. I heard it in a car with all of my friends. It was beautiful. And, uh, you know, I'm living in a changed world. That's great. Yeah. You are uh, now musically, you are at the level that I was when I was 12. So congratulations. Okay, but uh, you tried to write a uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, rock opera. So I think that I'm um, <laughs> above the level of Chris at 12. Uh, that was, I wrote that when I was like 14. And I got well into the first half of the first act before I <laughs> gave up on that. What bad. were what were some of the first songs that appeared in that? Um, nothing that made sense. <laughs> it okay. was, but a lot of them. If this <laughs> musical, at the, continuing at the pace that I had written it, this musical would be like nine and a half hours long and encompass encompass every song by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Great. Well, uh, that will be from the director and writer of Across the Universe. That uh, musical will be coming to you soon. Do you think uh, Bohemian Rhapsody fits the uh, the themes of this episode a little bit? Perhaps. It kind of applies to the story of one Bryce Larkin. Erin is really, she's got her lasso out and she's trying <laughs> to reel me in. And that's fine. I'll, I'll give in. We can start pivoting towards actually discussing the point of the show, which is, of course, Chuck. Specifically, in this case, Chuck versus the Nemesis. And uh, I think Erin has quite a bit to say about this one, so I'm interested to hear what she has to say. Stick around, we will be right back with more Go Chuck Yourself.
are. Another one of our classic musical interludes, Go Chuck Yourself, is back, friends. Talking about Chuck versus the Nemesis. This is episode 10 of Chuck, episode 10 of our show. What the hell? Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to say about that. I feel like I've wasted so much of my life and potential on this. Our, our, we're in the episodes. We're finally in double gi- digits, just as our listenership has gotten down to single digits. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Let's see if we can lose some more people now. <laughs> Let's see. That would take someone listening in the first place right. for them to lose. This bit is no longer charming. It's no longer charming. This is a cry for help. So uh, we start the episode with another recap, which is becoming quite the trend here on Chuck. For anyone who forgot, Sarah finally kissed Chuck, and then she and Casey find out that Chuck's nemesis, the spy Bryce Larkin, who sent him the intersect, and also Sarah's ex-boyfriend, isn't actually dead. So I have a joke that I've been waiting literally 10 episodes to make. Are you ready for it, Chris? Yeah, Aaron. All right, here we go. All right, in this episode, Chuck is about to get cucked. Nice. Yes. Um, We open on Bryce in a kind of, like, doctor's room. He's dressed completely in white, and he's bound to the table with these, like, white restraints. He's also got, like, a brain monitor on. The camera does an unnecessary, but absolutely necessary, like, really slow pan down his body. We've tuned in right as he's waking up. He says something to the doctor, and Sarah, who's watching with Casey, asks what he said. The doctor comes up and is like, it sounded like, and then we immediately cut to the Bymore and Big Mike yelling, Chuck! Chuck is hiding with some vacuums, and he's trying to call Sarah for what seems like the millionth time. Morgan shows up and is like, hey, are you talking to Sarah? Which, okay, right off the bat. We're going to talk about how stupid Morgan is in this episode, and we're starting early. First of all, Chuck has his phone in his hand to his ear. He's crouching down. He's speaking into it. So I have no idea why Morgan comes over and asks if he's talking to Sarah and then also decides that it's the right time to, like, have a conversation about how Chuck has been acting like a stalker since he and Sarah broke up. But I'm also going to call Chuck out here because Chuck can just hang up his phone. He doesn't have to, like, hold his phone in Morgan's face as Morgan is saying all these embarrassing things. It's a flip phone. He can just shut it. Stupid! But also, Sarah knows how dumb Morgan is, so even if she did listen to the message, which we find out that she did not, that she would not take offense to it because she just doesn't give a shit. That's fine. It's just, it's stupid. Sarah doesn't, Sarah don't give a shit. That's, yep, that's, that's true. Um, Chuck starts talking to Morgan about his feelings for Sarah. We get a, a recap on those uh, through words, much like we had a recap through images from the previous episodes. Um, when Chuck turns around after, like, spilling his heart, he finds that Morgan is otherwise engaged. So, kind of like when I wake up full of hope to discover that Matt Palmer has not magically appeared beside me, I started this episode with so much hope that the Morgan and Anna plotline was all a fever dream, but it wasn't. It's still there. Nothing. It sucks. It's the worst. And uh, so they're making out. And Anna is more into Morgan than ever. She is in peak <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome with Morgan. She's <laughs> infatuated. If in the past episode, it started with her not really being interested in Morgan, her telling her that she wasn't interested in him, and then she, he guilted her into to kissing him, and now she's in love. And so, so romantic. It's so romantic. It's That's so heartwarming. That's how it happens. 
Morgan is kind of the worst, uh, if that wasn't clear. <laughs> and my my next point to why he is the worst is that uh, he asks Chuck in front of Anna if she can come to Thanksgiving at Chuck's house. And this is a thing that we learned in kindergarten as a faux pas. You don't add, you don't invite someone in front of, like, that doesn't, that's not how it works. But apparently uh, we have been graced by the gods of complete bullshit because Chuck is fine with this. And also, um, we see that there's gonna be there's gonna be some trouble because uh, Anna is apparently really jealous of Ellie. Great, that's what that's just what I want. Because of uh, what what one of the characters refers to, like, oh, everybody knows that Morgan has a thing for Ellie. Yeah, this is. I think this is the first time we hear in as many words that Morgan defines himself as in love with Ellie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think. We just uh, were led to believe that he had kind of like a creepy affection for her, but now he's he says the line, I'm in love with two women. So great, okay. Because <laughs> he, so he had, yeah, the creepy affection is a good way of putting it. Yeah. And then there was that one episode, I don't recall which one, but like one of the first three or four where like mm-hmm. one of the plot lines is that he like kind of flirts with Ellie and Ellie doesn't really shoot him down. And they kind yeah. of have, like, they connect over it, and then yeah, we were both... Yeah, but that's nothing. That's, no. That was so long ago. Right, and I just think it's odd, because we both picked up on that, and we're like, oh, is that what they were, like, laying the groundwork for? Are we supposed to? Because I didn't remember that being a thing, and I said, quote, I don't remember this being a thing, yeah. end quote. And then, obviously, it was a thing that they were trying to do. I, I guess? I don't know. It's... It, this is... This whole thing is a nightmare. It's... Yeah, look, Aaron, I, I know you're upset and you're just really bummed out that you can't be the one that Morgan's dating because I know that he's just such a stud, he's such a gentleman, and you're probably just really crushing on him right now. But it's all right, there's more, there's more Morgans in the buy more. <laughs> Thank you, I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Uh, speaking of the buy more, Big Mike rounds everyone up to talk about Black Friday, which is a thing that happens uh, after Thanksgiving. This is hey, Thanksgiving it just happened the episode, other day. So, yeah, it did, the other day. Oh, um, man. those deals. Those those deals and steals, it was great. Whoa, no stealing. Oh, sorry, I, I shouldn't have said that. No just stealing. Cut it out, cut it out. Um, Big Mike tells the nerd herd that they'll be on crowd control, which I don't know why he made that decision, because they're all, like shrimpy men but whatever that's fine they have to come in on thanksgiving to get trained by morgan which i feel like they should have made a bigger deal out of because like i don't know morgan training anyone on anything seems like a big deal but uh it just kind of happens and that's it but there was a huge plot twist which we find out that chuck has a key to the buy more yes he does everything is explained now big mike says you have a key you can let yourself in that's he has been It doesn't explain all the other nonsense going on with the buy more, but it explains that one part that we, specifically me, have been obsessed with pointing out. Yeah, I just kind of imagined when that line was delivered that you just kind of stood up and cheered. Woo! 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 Now I was too busy thinking about how bad at his job Big Mike is. (laughs) Big Mike is amazing. I thought, well, yeah, like, in the later seasons, he becomes more of a, like, character and everything, and he's nice, but this, the past few episodes, he just is kind of useless, lest we forget him, quote, diddling, end quote. Oh, God, no, I did forget that. Yeah. Oh, God. And now he's not working on Black Friday. Jesus. Well, he's there, anyway. Yeah, but he locked himself in a room. Yep. 
Uh, Sarah shows up at the Buy More, and her hair looks so good in this scene. I don't know if you picked up on this, but it was amazing. Um, did, she t- did I pick up on this? <laughs> did I pick up on this? Do I have eyeballs in my face, Aaron? I guess you do. Um, Sarah tells Chuck they have to talk, and we have one of those classic awkward moments where she asks to talk first, and he talks over her, and he assumes that she's there to talk about their kiss, so he asks if they're back together, and invites her to Thanksgiving, and then she responds by telling him that Bryce is alive. So this is why men shouldn't interrupt women. Because you, like, you just gotta kind of say what you need to say, and then they're all like, yeah, my ex-boyfriend's still alive. And you're like, I thought he was (laughs) dead, and like, no, he's still alive, and I want to be with him. That was... That was a very bad Sarah impression. <laughs> that was very unkind to a woman that you profess to love. Hey, Sarah, don't give a shit. <laughs> That's our uh, go chuck yourself catchphrase, I guess. <laughs> That'll be on our t-shirts coming from Tee Public soon. What? Keep an eye out. <laughs> you didn't run this by me. <laughs> Sarah, don't give a shit. Do I get a cut of the profits, or you just kind of, you sell them these um, black market, go check yourself merch on the side? If you design them first, then you can get the profits. If I design them first, then I get them. Sarah, don't give a shit. <laughs> so Sarah and Casey take Chuck back to whatever facility Bryce is being held at. Apparently he won't talk to the CIA or NSA or anybody. He just has been asking to talk to Chuck. He hasn't seen Sarah or Casey yet. Um, Sarah tells Chuck, be a friend, you're good at that. But unfortunately, Bryce is not a random miner hanging out at the Bymore, so Chuck's a little nervous about trying to befriend him. <laughs> Casey also, like, really bombs the whole thing. Like, he says Bryce hasn't seen me yet, and then, like, when the door opens to let Chuck in, Casey's just standing in it. He's just right there. But it's fine, because like Loki in Thor The Dark World, and Khan in Star Trek Into Darkness, and Hannibal Lecter in, like, whatever movie he's in, uh... Bryce is in, like, this white kind of, like, straight jacket looking thing, and he's just staring at the ground. And he is looking good, let me tell you. You, uh, you gotta, you need a glass of water, Aaron? You're sounding pretty thirsty over there. (laughs) I'll I'll get one after this. Uh, Bryce asks Chuck who he is. Chuck says he's Chuck. Bryce doesn't believe him and asks what he did with the real Chuck. Chuck goes up to the one-way mirror and he says, I'd like to come out now, please, which I really loved. That was very funny. Yes, that was good. Yeah. My Star Trek Into Darkness reference really paid off because Bryce gets Chuck to confirm who he is by speaking to him in Klingon. And I was all like, two hot men speaking in Klingon really gets my engine running. I'm going warp speed, right? Hey. Yikes. Great. That was really good. You wouldn't be able to handle this if you can't handle Star Trek Into Darkness because it has Benedict Cumberbatch in it. I saw it in theaters five times, Chris. Actually, six. No, I saw it in theaters... I saw it in theaters when it first came out five times, and then I saw it a sixth time when they did the re-release for the third movie, and they did like a marathon, but I only went in for Into Darkness and then I left. I, uh, I only saw it once, and I didn't really know who Benedict Cumberbatch was at the time. He's the like, Grinch now. Oh, well, you know who he is now, because he's Doctor Strange. Well, no, I know he's Doctor Strange and Sherlock and stuff, so oh, I yeah, respect him Sherlock. now, but I, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen Sherlock. Oh, God. Have I seen Sherlock? Anyhow, you don't have to be a Sherlock to figure out what Bryce is up to. What What is Bryce up to, Chris? So, Bryce speaks to Chuck using Klingon, yes. which you may have just mentioned. And Chuck is a little rusty in his Klingon, but Klingon? Klingon. It's Klingon. Klingon? Am I saying it right? Klingon? Klingon. Klingon? Klingon. Klingon. And they... 
So using this Star Trek language that the kids use these days, Chuck proves that he's the real Chuck to Bryce, and Brian lets his, uh, Brian, Bryce lets his guard down a little bit. Brian, however, is in the back of the room, in the corner, looking very judgmental at these two. Brian was the the lesser-known third roommate of Bryce <laughs> and Chuck. He's the other one in the picture. Yes. The, one, the unspecified frat guy who's in the picture. Brian. Um, did you notice how many times this episode said the phrase, it's complicated? It's complicated. <laughs> yes. yes, I did. I think this was a cross-promotion for the Nancy Myers movie. And nothing you say, that came out a year later, nothing you say can convince me otherwise. It was really deep marketing. So there's two sponsors for Chuck. It's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, <laughs> and It's Complicated. Great. They should have called this episode Chuck versus It's Complicated. <laughs> that would have been a pretty good title. Mm, pretty good. Not great, but all right. <laughs> yep. Um, Bryce says he'll tell Chuck why he's still alive if Chuck, like, leans in close. And this is obviously a bad idea, but I think Chuck might be a little, like, flustered by, uh, just wanting that bomber to whisper sweet nothings into his ear. I know that I am. But Casey is, uh, against Chuck leaning in, but he does literally nothing to stop this from happening. And, surprise, Bryce gets out of one of his restraints and puts some kind of giant needle to Chuck's neck, and he demands to be untied. So Sarah rushes in with her gun, and Bryce is surprised to see her, but uh, Bryce still drags Chuck into the hallway of whatever building they're in. I don't really know what's in the syringe, because it seems kind of weird that there would be, like, deadly poison on the table, like, right next to Bryce, but also mm -hmm. it could just be that it's, like, a big needle, and Bryce could probably, like, fuck Chuck up with it. So mm -hmm. Bryce pulls Chuck into an elevator, and he says he'll kill Chuck if Sarah doesn't give him the access codes to get out of the building. She does this. Once the door is shut, Bryce lets Chuck go and is kind of all chummy with him. They get to another floor. The elevator slows down and opens up again, and Bryce pretends to be having Chuck hostage because he thinks it'll be more CIA people. But it turns out it's the dude from the last episode who was, like, sniffing around the machine that Bryce was in and uh, said the package was intercepted. I'm going to call him Tommy, because that is what we find out his name is later. So Tommy wants Bryce to come with him, but Bryce says no. Meanwhile, Chuck flashes on Tommy and sees the word fulcrum like seven times. So once the elevator shuts, Chuck asks Bryce what fulcrum is. Bryce doesn't tell him, but he's excited that Chuck flashed and the intersect seems to be working. Bryce says, this is my stop, and he injects Chuck with whatever is in the syringe. So I guess there was a kind of drug of some sort in there. I was really hoping that they would get to a next floor on the elevator and the doors would open up and it would be David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> that would have been amazing, but the wrong holiday. Any questions? <laughs> David S. Pumpkins is the leader of Fulcrum, actually. Oh my god. Do you think that's the case? Well, I mean, we'll find out, I guess. It would be very good. Yeah, you know, I mean, David S. Pumpkins. Need I say more? Any questions? Oh man, all the people from 2016 listening to this episode are going to love that joke. They're going to be so excited. Oh yeah, can't wait to go back in time. The Boy, do I have bad news for them. Oh god. I don't even know where you would begin. I know where I'd begin. I'd be like, alright, first of all, sit down. <laughs> yeah, that's a good place. Anyhow, Chuck passes out and he gets yeah. all woozy. And then and like... Sarah's trying to bring him back to consciousness. Yeah, I really like that scene because he's kind of loopy and he's like touching her hair and he's like, you're so pretty. And then Casey leans down and Chuck starts screaming, not pretty, ugly. <laughs> Which is also how I react when Casey's on the screen and they cut away from Sarah. That's not funny. pretty. <laughs> 
that's not nice. He's a very good-looking gentleman. Yeah, when he's wearing his suit later at Thanksgiving oh dinner. Oh my god, he's yeah. He's a stud. Oh, we'll get to that. Sarah brings Chuck home, and he asks what Bryce's being alive means for them, and she says Chuck is her assignment, and she's not going to go after Bryce because that's someone else's job. Ellie shows up and asks Sarah if she's coming to Thanksgiving, and Sarah says yes. Because Sarah don't give a shit. Yes, I guess so. Um, It seems like she gives a little bit of a shit right now, actually. Yeah, she doesn't give a shit. She's like, yeah, I want to go Thanksgiving and eat some pumpkin pie. There's no pumpkin pie. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Very disappointing. Um, But we do get a little bit of foreshadowing the next morning where uh, Morgan is training the nerd herd for their crowd control role in the Buy More, and he says the worst thing that can happen on Black Friday is something called a pineapple situation. Apparently, if something goes horribly wrong and any of the store employees need to call an evacuation, they just have to say the word pineapple, which was really fun because pineapple is the word that I forced myself to embed in my brain so that if I ever am forced to give a suggestion at an improv show, I can just spit that one out. So that's my danger word as well. Did another instance of Aaron being so carefree and relaxed. So carefree. It's great. Just living in the moment. I really liked, did you notice Jeff's line when he kind of just casually is like, pineapples are fun. My dad used to throw them at me. Yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. (laughs) Some insight into our favorite character. He had some couple of good lines this episode. Yeah, he did actually. When he was talking about the uh, what black when they were asked talking about Black Friday, and he's like, "Oh, I know what it is. It's that time when the tryptophan starts to wear off and the alcohol kicks in." Yeah, that was. He also said that. Yeah. Uh, the the whole thing with the Black Friday thing, obviously, uh, Buy More is not thriving as a store because retailers take Black Friday so seriously, they would not just decide to have a group of five people the day before Black Friday <laughs> kind of figure out what the plan is for Black Friday, seeing as, like, the the quarter of that, like, the, the holiday season falls in is, like, the most important quarter for retailers, and they make all of their money during that time. It justifies the rest of the year. Have you it's worked a, a Black thing. Friday? Have I worked a Black Friday? Yes, yeah. I have worked a Black Friday. I have worked a shift that started at... Uh, either 3 or 4 p.m. on Thanksgiving afternoon. Oh, Jesus. And then continue till uh, 3, 4 a.m. on Black oh Friday God. morning. It was insane. I think, and I was realizing that this episode was smart with where they, a little bit later on, when they're kind of doing the uh, the spy stuff while Black Friday's happening, because it is a brilliant time to get away with something <laughs> in a big retailer like that, because it was absolutely insane. It's just so crazy. There are people everywhere making such a mess, and it was just so chaotic. I would not be surprised if the Black Friday that I was working last year, there was some kind of spy trade going on. <laughs> well, I'm glad we have you to offer that kind of insight into this episode. Yes. Um, feel free to drop in other casual observations as we go. But something I'm not sure if you know about, um, but I do have the question, is Elias Chuck to pick up some stuff from the grocery store for Thanksgiving dinner, which I, I just have a lot of questions about that, because one... Are grocery stores open on Thanksgiving? Maybe in LA? I don't know, that's weird. Also, like, we we see Ellie is very prepared, so I don't know why she didn't, like, get this stuff beforehand. I mean, I don't know, some stores might be open, like, in the morning on Thanksgiving. But why aren't they watching the parade, Chris? Everyone watches the parade! That's a good question, and the parade is on NBC, which is Chuck's network, so they could have alluded to them watching the parade because that would have all been in the same NBC Universal family. They could have. 
Also, but, it would have been at the time Matt Lauer, so that would have been a whole thing. Oh, yeah, that would have been a whole thing, but it wasn't a whole thing in 2007. It wasn't a whole thing in 2017. Last year, he was still doing the Thanksgiving oh, Day Parade. Yep, and they're talking true. about him like, oh man, he's done this for so long, he's always going to do this. And then like <laughs> the next week was like, he is never going to do this. <laughs> yep, that's uh, that's true. So now we just have Al Roker to uh, shepherd us home. Just Al Roker wandering the streets of New York. No balloons, <laughs> just him you... rambling. Do you remember that? Did you ever see the episode of The Proud Family where Al Roker is evil? Oh my god. No, I don't think so, but I may okay. have. That was my, like, first exposure to him as a person, because, I mean, presumably the joke of that episode is that, like, everybody knows Al Roker and he's a nice guy and that uh -huh. it's absurd that he'd be evil. But I'd never, like, I didn't pay attention, so I didn't know who he was. So then when I saw him for the first time, I thought he was an evil man. It's so wonderful just getting to see the world through your eyes as someone <laughs> who has lived in a bunker for most of their life and is just learning things that most people find out relatively early on. You're discovering them later in life. There's, yep, you can see the wonder in my eyes. You are not the first person to have said that to me, ever. My Al Roker thing was that in high school, one of my proudest accomplishments was that online I found a parody of Livin' La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin, except it's Livin' La Vida Roker. Oh, and it's the lyrics are about Al Roker. And then that I did not make that song. I did make the accompanying music video though oh, for dear. it. So that's beautiful. Um, I think is, I probably, that, is that still available for us? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I have completely forgot about it until this moment, so who knows? It could be. All right, find it. Find it, listeners, to go check yourself, and we will reward you with uh, nothing. Living the Vida Roker. It's beautiful. In the next scene, we see Casey looking sharp as hell. As mentioned previously, he's wearing a nice suit, and he's drinking a Cosmo, which is amazing. That is so bold. Casey makes a lot of bold choices at this Thanksgiving dinner. Um, the first one is telling Chuck that he was the one who killed Bryce. Um, <laughs> Chuck apparently didn't know this. I, I forgot about that, but he finds out. Devin comes up and says to uh, Casey and Chuck, no shop talk tonight, boys. I don't know what he thought they were talking about. About the buy more. I, I guess. That, but I don't know. Well, I don't he know didn't why hear he... them talking about Bryce. He just heard them talking together, and he just assumed it was about the common denominator, which would be buy more. I guess. That's, I mean, that's nice of him to think that they needed, I don't know, an, an intercession or something. But he asked Casey to help him stuff the turkey. I think Casey is a really good example. Uh, we're entering the holiday season with this episode, uh, you know, and you're going to be going to a lot of different holiday parties. I think you should follow Casey's example. I think it's always nice to dress up a little bit when you go to a holiday party. <laughs> Wear a tie. Maybe wear a blazer and a tie. I think it's a nice way to show your respect and be festive. I also think it's a good idea to have a cool drink like that in your hand while you're wearing a suit and tie. It's a good idea. And then always, always tell someone that you killed their college roommate <laughs> at the party. That's the most important part. It doesn't matter who it is, but as long as you tell them that you were the one that killed them, that's and all this I have. has been another uh, etiquette corner with Chris Gillespie. That's right. Holiday edition. <laughs> um, Chuck tries to warn Ellie about uh, Morgan and Anna in probably the worst possible way by saying there might be an issue because Anna knows about you and Morgan. Ellie is like, what? Um, Anna shows up <laughs> with Morgan and she's immediately really passive aggressive and calls Ellie a hussy. 
Ellie, like uh, the rest of the viewers of Chuck, were unaware <laughs> yes. that there was something going on between <laughs> Ellie and Morgan. It's great. It's really nice how they uh, they paint this beautiful picture of this world that we all want to live in. The Thanksgiving dinner goes moderately well until Morgan asks for what he refers to as his favorite number two side dish, which is sweet potatoes. Um, he finds out that there's no marshmallows on top of the sweet potatoes, and he's sad about this. And Anna takes this opportunity to say, Thanksgiving is ruined. Um, I have a lot of questions about this, too. Chuck says he got the marshmallows, but they're in his car. So first of all, why did no one notice that they were missing before this? Like, why didn't Ellie notice when she was making the thing that there were no marshmallows? Also, why is this his favorite number two side dish? Why isn't his favorite number one side dish? It sounds delicious. Have you never had that? No, I had. Well, we don't make it at my house, but I I have had it at probably like your uh, your Texas roadhouses or whatnot. They do like a kind of thing like that there. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever had it on Thanksgiving. But like, it, it sounds like... It should be a number one side dish. Right. What is the... So, like, a tier one side dish would be, like, your mashed potatoes, your stuffing. I don't really understand how Morgan is eating. Like, is he just eating side dishes first and then he's going to get to the turkey? Or is he, like... He he made a, ro a rotation and then he's going for his number two side dishes after he's eaten his first plate? I don't know uh, how it works. How do you do your Thanksgiving plate? Um, I put everything on it, like that I want to eat like a small amount and then mm. the things that I really like I'll go back for. And then but how do you eat them like which order? Usually I'll eat like we'll have like a green bean dish so mm. I'll probably eat the green beans first and then I'll maybe have I really love cranberry sauce I will just eat cranberry sauce like on its own not on Thanksgiving so I'll do that like I I usually eat some cranberry sauce plain I like get a little in the mix and then I'll put some on the turkey I'll eat some turkey and then I'll do usually I do the mashed potatoes last. Okay. And then I'll, like, soak everything up with, with one of my rolls. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. I'm, uh, I guess I'm pretty, uh, I guess I'm kind of weird, because I always, like, start with the turkey. Okay. And then, like, because I feel like you got to start with the turkey, and then you yeah. kind of, similar to Morgan, I would think, like, you know, you have your tier one sides, you have your tier two sides. I, I might go, like, in a, a rotation, sort of. I don't usually, like, jump back and forth. I usually work on one thing at a time and go my way around. But are they, they're all on your plate at the same time. Yes. Okay. So what Morgan's doing is still absurd. Oh, right. Because he's, so he's serving himself something and then eating that and then he serves himself the next dish and eats yeah. that. Okay. Well, I, I don't mean, know. I mean, it's kind of efficient, I guess. In his defense, he is like a big baby that has a beard <laughs> and a job. So like, why did Thanksgiving grind to a halt? Because there weren't marshmallows. They're just oh, like, but it why, does. Why did they put Morgan at the kids' table? That would have been nice. That would have been kind of a smart idea and kind of funny. I, I like that idea. Instead, Chuck has to leave his Thanksgiving dinner and go out to the car and go get marshmallows. Okay, this this brings up a question. I've never I've never thought about this before. Um, so sorry if it has come up. But so Chuck says his uh, marshmallows are in the herder. Is that Chuck's car that he just has that he drives around? Because I don't. Whenever I've been to a Best Buy, like. Obviously, it's not a buy more, but like those little those little cars, like the Geek Squad vans and the smart cars, are like parked in the parking lot. I don't think the employees get to just take them. Wow, Aaron's been to a Best Buy. Everyone, she's so cool. No, you're probably right. I don't think they they probably only use them when they go out on the clock. I don't think they can take them home. Yeah, that's it's weird. 
It's not exactly a police cruiser. This this whole thing happens because Chuck has to get outside, and who's <laughs> waiting outside? He has to get outside so the <laughs> show can continue. Yes. Who's waiting outside for him but Bryce? I also uh, wish Matt Bomber would appear out of the darkness outside my home. On Thanksgiving um, night. On Thanksgiving night. On, uh, on Christmas, we have Santa. On Easter, we have the East Bunny. <laughs> on Thanksgiving night, it's Matt Bomber. <laughs> That's his holiday. Wearing a cool jacket and just roaming around and being all broody yeah it's great this is this i was at my peak this episode i can tell (laughs) um bryce is super judgmental about chuck's living situation and he's like what (laughs) happened to you chuck you used to be so smart and driven the bill gates with style yeah but we've established that chuck lives in a very nice apartment and maybe he just wants to be close to his family. So I don't know where Bryce gets off here acting like Chuck's a failure. He's a failure for other reasons. It's not because of his house. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe when you've died and then come back to life, you can kind of throw a little bit of shade towards people and be a little bit more judgmental. Right. I'll let you know. Like, oh, that's cool. You live with your sister. You know, like, I died. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was unnecessary. Um... Yeah, it was, it was too much, Bryce. He, need, he needs to t- dial it back a little bit. But Bryce tells Chuck that he needs to talk to Sarah and that the guy outside of the elevator, Tommy, is working for Fulcrum. Chuck asks what Fulcrum is, and Bryce says Fulcrum wants the intersect. So I guess that's enough. Chuck goes in to get Sarah um, and tells her that Bryce is hiding in his bedroom. Um, but before he can do this, Devin announces, thank God the marshmallows are back, which it implies they went somewhere. So, uh, did the marshmallows just, like, they were there originally, but they just, like, took a little stroll, you know, I guess? Like, sort of like Frosty the Snowman, you know, like, he comes and goes, and he's back. He'll come back one day. He doesn't really go anywhere, but he comes back, you know, the marshmallows came back this year. I guess so. Um, Sarah goes into Chuck's bedroom to talk with Bryce. She's on her guard for maybe three seconds, and then she and Bryce start kissing. Um, I think I lost consciousness for a few seconds here, so if you have any insights into uh, what was going on, then you can drop them. Sure. Sarah walked into Chuck's room, opened the door slowly, and the room is empty. But then you see a hand from above Chuck's door, which implies that Bryce was like a (laughs) spider monkey in the corner of Chuck's room. Yep. And then he jumps down from the ceiling. And, uh... They kiss. That's all you need to know. They kiss. I mean, did you think Bryce's kiss was a a bit forceful in this situation? I thought it was a little bit fast. I don't know, man. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention to the speed of the kiss. I was just waiting for it to happen. I I mean, I guess, you know, on the bright side, at least something, you know, somebody's finally getting some in Chuck's room. (sighs) Wow. Yeah, take that, Chuck. Um, Chuck goes to get something from his room, and he sees them kissing, and he is sad. Very sad. Yeah. Uh, I hate it when your your dead college roommate comes back and starts macking it with your lady. Yep, it sucks. Uh, we've all been there, right? Oh, man, too many times to count. <laughs> um, everyone's still at the table, so everyone except Sarah goes around and says what they're thankful for. Devin says he's thankful for Ellie, and Morgan whispers, good call. So what the fuck? I don't know. I don't know why he thinks that's good to do. Um, Casey passes, which I thought was the boldest move I've ever seen someone pull off. He has nothing to be thankful for. Nothing. Nothing at all. He's got something. I thought, like, he could have been thankful for, you know, he's obviously very patriotic. Maybe yeah. he could have been thankful for America. <laughs> Apparently not. No. Um... 
Chuck says he's thankful that Bryce is dead and is not currently in his room making out with his girlfriend, which I guess is his attempt to alert Casey to what's going on. But once Casey runs out, Chuck thinks he might have made a mistake. I don't really know why he thinks he made a mistake. I don't know what he thinks is going to happen. As you can imagine, uh, the other characters in this situation are surprised that Chuck says this weird, dark, thankful thing. And uh, they comment on how dark it is and also weirdly specific. Yeah. I appreciated that. Yeah. Um, Bryce runs, and while Casey, Sarah, and Chuck are dealing with that, Ellie finally brings out her sweet potatoes, which apparently, I mean, like, I guess this is kind of a dessert, um, but apparently it's taking the place of pie or anything else. She refers to it as as a dessert. Um, There's literally the most uncomfortable scene I've ever seen in my life, where Morgan is eating these potatoes, and I guess it's supposed to be, like a weirdly like sexually charged scene where like he's eating them and he's like oh god and then like ellie is sitting next to him for some reason and i don't know that she was before at least she wasn't like this close but she's like nodding excitedly and anna is looking on in horror and it's the it's horrible and then anna finally is like fine ellie you can have him and she storms out um i will give here that like Anna plays this pretty believably um, in as far as, like, this scene means anything. I think she'd be really good in an emotional plotline that wasn't a complete mess. But uh, that's the only thing I will give this because I hate I hate all of this so much. Well, I think Morgan did a realistic job. I think the orgasm that he was having seemed very <laughs> realistic in terms of the oh pleasure, the, the length of it. It was... Went on for quite a bit. It was, Ellie wasn't oh. really having an orgasm herself. She was just kind of enjoying Morgan's satisfaction, which was almost creepier than if she was also enjoying the sweet potato pie. I hate, I hate this. It was Morgan. So... I don't know. Maybe Ellie, like you, kind of see in her eyes, like she was getting off a little bit about like. I, I hate this. this I man. hate it. I don't. We're we're moving on. Um, Chuck is upset because Sarah kissed Bryce. He tries to storm off, but then he sees that Bryce hasn't actually gone all that far and is just in Casey's apartment using Casey's computer. Chuck and Sarah sneak in to confront him. Bryce says, uh, he, he offers us some explanation where he says he was recruited by an inner circle inside the CIA, which is called Fulcrum. They wanted him to help steal the intersect, and he didn't realize until he was super deep into it that Fulcrum was actually bad. Um, he mentioned something called Sandwall, and Chuck flashes on it, so he knows Bryce is telling the truth about not being rogue. Again, I have to bring up the question of why, why is Sandwall in the intersect? It's a secret government thing. Like, why is that in there? Because that, doesn't that imply that the CIA knows about it, and the CIA doesn't know about it? I don't understand how the intersect works. Well, I hope you enjoy this explanation of Fulcrum, because it's the only explanation of Fulcrum that we will get for the entire series even when Fulcrum stops being Fulcrum and ends up being just repurposed into different weird, ambiguous <laughs> names. It's like the ring, right? There's the ring. I think there is one called the circle. I don't know. Is it the circle? I thought no, it was the it's, ring. I mean, it's the ring. I know it's the ring. There's Fulcrum, the ring. Oh my God. I feel like there's like two more maybe. Yeah. They're, I don't they're know. all basically like the same kind of thing. We're yeah. like, what? It, huh? it doesn't matter. I mean, it's kind of like the intersect. It just is what it is. Just roll with it. <laughs> don't think about it. Just go with it. Speaking of not thinking about it, uh, Casey <laughs> walks into his apartment and just, like, shoots Bryce. <laughs> Which, you know, that's what you get. You absolutely should not, like, surprise Casey in his apartment at any time. <laughs> you know he is a, like, knows completely about the 
the home invader laws. Like, he knows if it's legal <laughs> to kill someone in his own home if they invade yes. him. He's on top of that. He's waiting to do that. <laughs> Ch- Honestly, Chuck and Sarah shouldn't have even been in his apartment without his no. permission. They should not. It's a miracle that he didn't, like, shoot all three of them. <laughs> yeah. It probably um, would have been his best Thanksgiving ever. He would have he had something to be thankful for. But uh, Bryce is, as we find out, was wearing a bulletproof vest because you got to be prepared. I, I really thought growing up that bulletproof vests would be, like, a bigger part of my life. That's disturbing. <laughs> I hope I they continue I... not to be part of your life. I hope so, too. But it just seemed like in TV, everybody always had one. I feel like I thought I would have one at some point. Yeah, because the people that are on TV, the shows are about police officers or SWAT agents or heroes or secret agents, and they're getting shot at, so they need to wear those vests. Are you saying I'm not a hero? That's not what I'm saying. You're just not a conventional hero. All right, that's I'm a diff, I'm a different kind of hero. A different hey, kind of y- hero. Hey, you know you know what, Chris? The world <laughs> has enough superheroes. So Bryce tells a little bit more of his story. We get a flashback to the stuff from the first episode where he snuck into the intersect room and destroyed the computer. Blah blah blah. He gets shot. Apparently, Fulcrum collected his body and restarted his heart to ask what happened to the intersect files. And Bryce told him that he was the intersect. So they sent him to a a European clinic to heal him. I don't know what that means. Like he's um, some I, kind of sex addict? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know why they let him get away in the first place or why Tommy seems excited for Bryce to be, like, getting away again. But uh, that's whatever. <laughs> sure. So the only reason that he came over in the pod from Europe was because he... Like, why didn't they just send him on a plane? Because obviously, like, once he was out of the pod, he was fine. Yeah, I so don't know. So he could have just, he didn't have to be shipped in a crate. <laughs> yeah, it, um, I don't know, maybe like air pressure or something. Maybe he had to stay below plane height. The, the spectrum is not just airplane to like cryogenic pod <laughs> on a shipping vessel. I think there's something yeah, I, in between area. All right, well, you got to take it up with Fulcrum, I guess. I will. I bet they um, agree with me that time zones are stupid. I, I bet they would, actually. Yeah, they seem like they'd be in, into that. Bryce says he needs to turn himself into the CIA, but he doesn't know who to trust. So Chuck says he can help because he'll flash on anyone who's fulcrum. Whatever, the intersect is just wild. Um, they decided they're going to have the meeting at the Buy More on Black Friday. Great. Um, we cut to the next day, which is Black Friday. I guess we've, we've all had enough of that Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, the first thing I noticed here is that um, as like door prizes, the Buy More is giving out discs. Like just collections of discs. And uh, so Anna is in charge of these, and she's, like, adamantly saying, like, you only get one. Um, apparently people want more than one bunch of discs? I don't know? It's that super hot Black Friday item. You know, people think it's the video games, or it's the televisions, or it's, no, it's the cameras. But the real moneymaker are these 10 packs of blank CDs that you can burn music onto. And people are just grabbing them up. All those, was, uh, those packages of blank CDs. Yeah, 2007, you gotta uh, put your uh, the soundtrack to Ugly Betty on a blank disc, much like I did. <laughs> I did like blank discs, but I wouldn't go to Black Friday to purchase them. Well, they're not purchasing them, I think they're free. I think that's like a prize. Really? I didn't interpret it like that. We do discover that the, the store brand of Buy More Products is called <laughs> Buyzilla. Yeah, that's weird. I don't... I feel like there's, uh, there's better names that they could have come up with well i don't <laughs> it's not even it doesn't even make sense as a pun 
by Zilla? Yeah. Was it? Is this supposed to be like Godzilla? I would imagine. That would be it's the not, only thing that would make sense. It's not Bodmore. Bodmore? Yeah, like because like Godzilla. Bodzilla. You know? It's not Bodmore. I don't Mo know. Whatever. More Bod. That's You're just thinking about Matt Bomber this I whole am, time. I really am. Bryce, Casey, and Sarah are all in the store, and they're being so incredibly unsubtle about everything. Morgan recognizes Bryce and goes up to talk to him, and he says kind of way too much about how Bryce looks like his best friend's old roommate, who ruined his best friend's life, and Chuck sees this happening, and he's alarmed, but nothing really comes of it other than that Bryce feels kind of a little bad, I guess. Right, he kind of, he doesn't realize that he was uh, ruining Chuck's life. Yeah, I don't know why he, he didn't realize that. I think it was pretty clear. Um, the CIA people are also really unsubtle, and I guess I will take what you said to heart about how, like, no one no one notices anything during Black Friday because it's just a nightmare, but they're just there, like, wearing, like, headpieces and full suits, and they look completely different from everyone else. Um, I don't, I don't know why the CIA is so bad at this! They're the CIA! Um, but Chuck doesn't flash on them, so it seems like they're safe. Meanwhile, Jeff and Lester are hiding, and Morgan has to go give them a pep talk. Apparently, because he was uh, the computer expert with Steve Jobs in the 80s, Jeff is the only one who knows how to fix the cash registers. Uh, Morgan convinces Jeff to help by saying, if people can't check out, they can't leave, which is pretty smart for the dumbest baby man alive. Yes, that's a good point. It's the wisdom of fools. What struck me as, I guess, maybe a good business practice of Buy More was the fact that they didn't open Thanksgiving night. Because mm -hmm. that, that's really when the crazies are out, is the nighttime and overnight. Like, by the time the daytime Black Friday rolls around, like, it's still, like, really hectic and busy, but it's not mm -hmm. nearly as crowded as, like, the initial doorbuster deals. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Yeah, true Thanks story for... from, in case anyone's never been to a store before. <laughs> Thanks for offering your insight. It was very valuable. You know, that's why I'm here. Bryce tells Chuck he didn't intend to be mean about Chuck's house, so good apology, <laughs> Bryce. Um, Bryce says he knows about all the great work Chuck has done with Sarah and Casey, and then he says, I've got one friend in this world. Does he mean Chuck? Did you think he meant Chuck? Who does he mean here? I don't know, does he mean Chuck or does he mean Sarah? Ooh, we'll never find out the answer to that. Um, Chuck and Bryce have a kind of nice moment where they sort of clear the air and, like, shake hands, I guess. Then Sarah shows up to take Bryce in. They ride together to wherever they're going, and they're about to kiss um, when a car slams into them. Meanwhile, the fulcrum dude Tommy shows up at the Bymore. So I was kind of confused about this whole thing. Does, does Tommy know that Chuck is the intersect at this point, or does he just know that Chuck knows that Bryce is the intersect? Uh, I do not think that was clear. I was thinking that probably he thought that Bryce was the intersect. Okay. Because that's as far as we know, that's what he thinks. I don't think yeah. he knows that But Chuck I don't is know the why intersect. he thought that Chuck was involved in any way, other than that Chuck was held hostage by Bryce. I don't know why they're there. I don't know. We have a fun scene that I got really excited about because the scene where um, Sarah and Bryce have been like dragged out of the car that they were in takes place outside of Echo Park. And I recognized it because I've been there. Oh. That was cool. I was very excited. The, the guy who crashed into them uh, says that he's subdued them because they're both lying on the ground passed out, but then they jump up and fight him. That was fun. Um, meanwhile, Tommy puts a gun to Chuck and is trying to take him out of the store. Jeff runs up to ask Chuck a question, and Tommy whispers more than one word and I'll kill him. This is kind of like a weird way of phrasing that, because uh, maybe Chuck would need to use more than one word. But in fact, it pays off in a, from a writing standpoint, because the word Chuck uses is... 
Let's say it together, Chris. One, two, three. Pineapple. pineapple. That was how did you pronounce pineapple? Pineapple. <laughs> pineapple. Right. Pineapple. Um, Jeff runs to tell Morgan, and Morgan gets on a loudspeaker and asks everyone to evacuate. And Big Mike hears this happening from his office, and there's a scene which I really liked, where he's like running in slow mo and he jumps over a desk. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, where he's actually doing something for once. He's taking don't, a break from all of his diddling. Don't take this out on Big Mike. He's, he's a diddler. He he's can. a diddler and you oh, know God. it. Um, Casey brings Chuck into the home theater room, which I don't know why they didn't just like kind of leave. It seems like it would have been safer, but they go into the home theater room. The guns are in the home theater room. That's true. They have the TV built by that one guy. Scooter? No, sorry. Scooter's Sarah's boss. I think it was Laszlo. It was... Kirk Cameron, yeah, Laszlo. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's going to be a shootout with the Fulcrum guys, but then Sarah and Bryce show up. Chuck watches them do this, like, really badass synchronized fight routine, and there's a lot of sexual tension going on in it. Um, they, they beat the shit out of the Fulcrum dudes, but unfortunately, Tommy gets a hold of Chuck and puts a gun to him. Uh, I just want to take this time to, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but during this fight sequence, there's a dude who's wearing, like, a bright blue, like, button-down shirt, and he gets punched and his arms go up, and we see his armpits, and they're, like, bright pink. Like, there's, like, pink sweat stains, and I don't know what's going on there. It was so weird. I must have turned away from the television at that point. I didn't see that. Well, why did you turn away? Because there was so much sexual tension. No, that's not... I can handle all that sexual tension. Don't think I can't handle that sexual <laughs> tension. I was... I thought it was really cool they were doing, like, the sexy couple fighting. Yeah, it was really nice. More couples should do that. I guess I guess so. I'll, uh, I'll let Catherine know you're interested. Sexy couple fighting. Sexy couple fighting. Just beating up bad guys. There's a little standoff between Tommy, Bryce, and Sarah, which ends when Bryce says something to Chuck and Klingon and then shoots him. As it turns out, though, Chuck is wearing a bulletproof vest. I'm not sure where or when he got that, but it's chill. As the store is being evacuated, Morgan picks up Anna and carries her out, refusing to put her down. Apparently, this makes her forgive him, and she says he passed her test. When will we be free from this hell? Big Mike starts yelling at Morgan for evacuating the store and losing all the Black Friday sales, but the NSA cleaners, who come dressed as firemen to <laughs> set everything guns. right, yes, um, they say that there was a gas leak in the store and that Morgan actually helped a lot of people. So great, we, we get Morgan gets two rewards for all of his behavior. We also get some music by Band of Horses, which I got really excited because I like this song. Mm-hmm. Um, Bryce has a meeting with Beckman in the home theater room, and he comes out wearing a tuxedo, which, where, where did he get that? Was that just in there? Did that come out of the TV? It must have. He walked in, wasn't wearing a tuxedo, <laughs> walked out a few minutes later, was wearing a full tuxedo. It was amazing. He, uh, he has a new assignment where he's going to go after Fulcrum on his own off the radar. I don't know why they're letting him do that. That seems like a bad idea. Um, I was just kind of unclear on all of this, but whatever, we're going to accept it and move on. And like, wasn't, how was, did Beckman know about Fulcrum? Is Beckman trying to stop Fulcrum if, like, Fulcrum is a, a cell inside of the CIA, which Beckman is in charge of? Like, yeah, don't why they have he... other means? Like, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know, but Bryce is going to do it. Um, Bryce tells Sarah we'll always have Omaha, which when, uh, later... Chuck asked Casey what this meant, and Casey explains that it was probably some kind of, like, secret message to let Sarah know where Bryce would be if she wants to join up with him. Which, again, I feel like, like, Sarah has a job. Like, that shouldn't, 
I don't think that should be allowed. I feel like the CIA would frown upon that if Sarah just left her post to join Bryce. I don't know why that's a thing, but it's kind of all romantic. In one of the final scenes, I, I don't have a lot to say about it other than we see Morgan drinking a beer. So I don't know if that's character development, that he's like, he's a man now because he like has a girl and he's like saved the store. But uh, he's drinking a beer. He's that's got one. That's a good one. catch because before yeah. he was only drinking purple soda. Yeah. So I don't know. Morgan's a man now, I guess, in the eyes of the writers of Chuck. <laughs> he's gone um, through his, his Chuck bar mitzvah. His, his Chuck mitzvah? Chuck mitzvah? His, no, his, his Bartowski mitzvah? No, that doesn't work. But you know <laughs> what I'm saying. You get it. His by Moritzka? By, I like it. That's... By Mitzka? Something like that's, that. That's it. That's by, by Zilla Mitzka? I don't by know why Zilla, I can't say by this. By Zilla Mitzka? Uh, anyway, we, we cut to Sarah in her hotel room. Um, she's packing. Chuck and Bryce call her at the same time, so both of her phones are ringing. And it was very stressful for me because I've also had two phones ringing at once, and it's, it's not fun. Um, Sarah is all like, which phone do I answer? And we do not find out this episode. Cut to credits. That's the end. Chuck's calling on an iPhone. Bryce is calling on a, a fancy rotary phone. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool, actually. I don't know. I don't know which one I would answer. I always used to have nightmares. Like, I have a recurring nightmare of, like, trying to call someone on a rotary phone and I can't. Do you have that dream? Uh, no, <laughs> I've never had that dream. It's really scary. Yeah. They're really hard. Just look, look it up online. Maybe that will resolve your, your fear of not knowing how to do it. Yeah, I guess so. That's if you more, encounter more a rotary phone, I don't know. I encountered, well, yeah, one of my friends had one growing up, so I think that was where the fear came from. Oh, okay. Yep, cut to black. We don't know what Sarah is going to do. Is she going to go with Chuck, or is she going to go uh, do the Omaha thing with Bryce? We don't know, but we do know one thing, and that's Sarah don't give a shit. <laughs> we'll be right back with more Go Chuck Yourself. Bye. for interesting information but i got some of my own interesting information right now uh it's because i am watching chuck on the dvd set i know it's riveting however <laughs> this episode was the last of one of the dvds and each dvd contains deleted scenes that didn't make it into the series so i just wanted to share the deleted scenes because i know aaron has no way of seeing these i, I want to make sure that she was kept in the loop so we get two deleted scenes in this this batch of episodes which was um this one so this was episode 10 9 and 8 we're covering with these deleted scenes the first deleted scene is from the imported hard salami where uh they are bringing prior to when they think that the package is going to get delivered at the shipyard and they open it and it turns out to be a video camera and it's mm -hmm. like a prank or whatever it's a scene before that Okay. So it's a scene that sets that up where Kara and, Kara and Stacy, and by that <laughs> I mean Sarah and Casey, are standing on the dock and a guy drives up in a car 
just a random like middle-aged white guy in a suit comes out and says he's with Homeland Security and he shows them photos we don't see the photos but they see what the photos are and Sarah goes when were these taken and he goes last night and he's like these we've been trying to bring down the the like Greek weapon smuggler family Mm. for years but now it's all up to you and he like throws his pictures at them or whatever and he drives away well I wonder why they cut that out I know, it's hard to say. It was really relevant and important to the rest of the show, so who knows. But the second deleted scene is, I, this is completely true. I'm not making this up of what happens at the second deleted scene. I'm ready. Um, It is from the episode where um, Sarah has her sleepover in Chuck's bedroom. Okay. And they're not going to be doing any funny business, but they're just laying in the bed and they're talking. Mm-hmm. And Sarah kind of, like, brings up that Chuck seems to really like Lou. And then as that's going on, there's, like, a crash. And all of a sudden, Morgan appears in the oh, window. No! He, the window's <laughs> open, and Morgan is just there, and he's drinking either a beer or a soda. And he's like, oh, sweet, I'm just in time for the show. Don't mind me, go on. <laughs> And they're like, we're not doing anything. And he's like, oh, okay, that's all right. I'll just, you know, you can speed it up and get to the good part. I don't want to see this foreplay stuff. And they're like, seriously, we're not doing anything. And then Morgan goes on to talk about how his day was spent with Mrs. Tang. And he got to, like, set up the new TV in Tang's apartment or something like that with Mrs. Tang. And he's like, yeah, it turns out that Tang really likes watching romantic comedies and he cries during sex. And then they're like, why are you telling us this? (laughs) And as he's saying this, then it cuts to Tang, who is in Chuck's courtyard, and he's using the same equipment that Casey uses to spy on Chuck. He's using that equipment to spy on Morgan, and he overhears Morgan talking to Chuck about him, and then... He, Morgan starts talking about the television and cause like Tang's connection breaks out for a little bit and Morgan is basically talking about, he's like, I don't know how they were doing it with like such a small one before. Like now we got him set up with like a nice big one. And obviously Tang thinks this is like innuendo and Morgan's doing something with his wife. So Morgan eventually like leaves Chuck and Sarah and Tang runs out after him. Holy shit. Are you kidding? No, that's all completely true that is incredible i don't know if that's good or bad i really don't know how to react to this yeah it was <laughs> started off bad because i was like oh god damn it morgan's be creepy like watching him have sex all the creepy voyeuristic stuff that he does and then tang was there with spy equipment just like casey <laughs> and his spy equipment actually interferes with casey's connection because then it cuts to Casey, and he's getting, like, feedback, and he's like, ugh, that's, it was bizarre. Oh my god, <laughs> that's crazy, that's, like, so many elements. But you never saw that coming. No, I didn't, at all. Is there any more? No, it was just those two, okay. but I think that second one really made yeah. it worth it. No, the first really one did. was pretty bad, but the second yeah. one, I was like, holy shit. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. So, what kind of interesting information do you have this week? Well, this is a special holiday interesting information for all you listeners. I know this episode brought up a lot of questions for us, such as, is Sarah going to choose Bryce or Chuck? Who is Fulcrum? When will we be granted sweet release from the twisted hell that is Morgan and Anna's relationship? Does Sarah give a shit? (laughs) Well, I'm here to answer the most pressing question of all. What's up with a sweet potato marshmallow casserole? No, what's, what's the deal with that? Uh, That's right, everybody. I'm here with the history of Morgan's favorite number two side dish. Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> Interesting information indeed. All right, so, uh, so okay, walk us through the history of this uh, staple I'm going to. of American cuisine. So apparently, sweet potato recipes have been a thing since 1796, but adding marshmallows to sweet potatoes didn't happen until much later. Angelus Marshmallows, which is the same company that made Cracker Jacks, started mass-producing marshmallows in 1907. These marshmallows weren't like the ones we have today. They were made individually, and they were more square and less puffy until the 1950s. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun fact for you. Um, but in the year of our Lord, 1917, the good people at Angelus Marshmallows wanted all the cooks in America to start using more candy in their desserts. So they teamed up with the founder of the Boston Cooking School magazine to write a cookbook. And uh, I, find, I find all of this very interesting because much like our recap of Chuck, which occurs not 10, but 11 years after the fact, this episode is coming out 101 years after the invention of sweet potatoes topped with marshmallows. You're welcome, Chris. So it, 2007 was the 101st anniversary of this dessert? No, two, 2017 was the 100th anniversary. Oh, So okay. this year. Oh, this year is the 101st anniversary. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's my bit, Chris. Thanks for, thanks for keeping up. Hey, I never reported to be fast or quick-witted or anything <laughs> like that, okay? I'm slow. Yeah, so uh, that's... Um, I'm not going to give you a recipe or anything, but that's the history of it. So uh, say that around your Thanksgiving table and everybody will be super impressed. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving just happened, but put that in your pocket for next year. Yeah, next, next Thanksgiving. Year. Yeah. Or maybe just uh, bring it up at Christmas time if that's something you eat at Christmas time or whatever yeah, your, that's true. your winter might. holiday is. Good stuff, good stuff. The next segment. I, I just want to point out that uh, you've, you've been standing this whole episode and you sat down during that bit. I just needed to take a load off. <laughs> Frenemies. I didn't know how long that was going to go on. <laughs> I wanted to just relax my legs a little bit, my little feet. Um, next segment is, uh, where we talk about other side dishes of holiday, uh, <laughs> treats. This is, uh, potato stuffing cranberry, uh, where we talk about one part of the show that we'd like to stuff, <laughs> and one part of the show that we'd like to mash. Um, uh, so Aaron, uh, out of this, this week's episode, which thing would you like to, uh, to stuff? I... If I am interpreting what you are saying correctly, I would. I was uh, very enamored with the idea of Devin and Casey bonding. Um, oh, okay. Devin, Devin grabs Casey's arm during dinner and uh, feels how strong it is, and then they start talking about working out and whitewater rafting. And I just, I really like that bromance. I think they have a lot in common, and I, I want to see more of it. I dig that, and I liked how it was kind of because they talked about whitewater rafting in one yeah. of the first episodes. Yeah, and uh, Awesome's really into it. Yeah, and he keeps trying to get Chuck to go, but he doesn't go with them. Mm -hmm. But he could go with Casey. I thought that was yeah, a nice. Yeah, he call could. Back. They they're they're great friends. Uh, who would wh what would you like to stuff? Well, this week I my stuff was I was so with the character. I guess what I'm trying to say is I would like to stuff Bryce Larkin this week. <laughs> um. I think that I was not prepared. I didn't really remember how he was as a character. I thought he was more of like an antagonist, and I had negative feelings towards him. But over the episode, I really grew to like him. I thought he was a cool guy. I liked how we got to see Chuck have a friendship with someone who wasn't Morgan, mm -hmm. and how Bryce was kind of like a, a relaxed, laid-back guy. And you can kind of see their actual friendship um, when it was just them. 
and I thought that was interesting and a good time. And uh, obviously, the sexy couple fighting was was a highlight. Yeah, um, top notch. So I appreciated Bryce. I thought he was a good foil for Sarah, and it was a good, uh, I think, resolution for Chuck for things. And I look forward to seeing Bryce again. If if we do. If we do. If we do. I think we do. I, I think you're probably right. I don't remember, though. I don't remember either. Who knows? All right, so this next part, uh, what would you like to mash this week? I... I would mash the, uh, the, just the whole Anna plotline was a disaster. Mm-hmm. None of it makes sense, and the sole reason I kind of wanted to continue is that there's, just so that there's something other than Morgan complaining about being single and being miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, other than that, nothing redeeming about it, and I hated it, and I just want it gone. Yeah, that's basically what I put down for my mash this week was less so that it was happening and more so that it didn't really reach any kind of meaningful resolution. Aside from Morgan what, carrying what do you mean? Anna he, out. He, he passes her test, Chris. No, but I mean, like, it starts off with the, like, there's the conflict of, oh, Ellie is involved. And then Ellie's not really involved and she kind of just, like, fades away. I wanted to kind of incorporate Ellie, I guess, into more of a resolution and have her be like, I'm not into you. Or I don't know. There's I just thought it was kind of half-baked. next week. There is always next week. So, Chris, do you think this episode held up? <laughs> Um, I thought that it did. I enjoyed watching it. Um, I thought I liked the Bryce stuff, obviously. Um, I liked the Black Friday stuff. I thought that was good. I thought there was a good marriage between those two plot mm-hmm. lines. The Morgan thing, Morgan and Anna thing, obviously, I could kind of go without, but uh, it is what it is. Um, in terms of does it hold up, I think it also... It does, because I think this was the first week in a couple of weeks that there wasn't anything egregious that I screamed at the TV about in terms of either, like, sexism or racism (laughs) and or both. Um, Great. So I was pleasantly surprised that everything seemed to be a a happy Thanksgiving here in uh, Burbank. (laughs) What what were your thoughts? So there were elements I liked of the episode, which were mostly just Matt Bomber. Um, but I, I was kind of annoyed with a lot of it, so I'm going to have to say no this okay. time. Um, at least as much as the last episode had me, like, really ready to go on this one, it didn't really seem up, seem to live up to, like, what I was feeling at the end of the last episode. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't remember if Bryce comes back, maybe he's in the next episode, but if he, like, if he is gone for at least a few episodes or for the rest of the season... I kind of just wish he had stuck around longer. I didn't feel like we got enough of a catharsis with him. Um, I also, I feel like I don't understand enough of what Fulcrum is, and I was very unclear the whole time on if uh, if they still think Bryce is the intersect, if they know about Chuck, what they think Chuck is, if Chuck is in any danger from Fulcrum right now. So I just thought there were some plot holes that um, I, I just wanted more... I wanted more from this episode. So, Mm -hmm. no. I think that's valid. I think the last episode with the the kiss between Chuck and Sarah, I think the the Chuck and Sarah's relationship, I think, like, is the element of the show that kind of offers that um, emotional weight or kind of transcendence at points when you're, Mm -hmm. like, at least for me, where I get, like, really clicked into it and I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, what's going to happen? It's usually because it's in that area. And I agree that this episode did not really have that emotional 
height to it. Yeah, I did. Like, I liked I liked Sarah and Bryce's relationship. I thought that was interesting to see, and it was interesting to see like kind of who she was before Chuck and like who how she relates to like other people who aren't Chuck or Casey. But it just wasn't. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't click me in as much as mm-hmm. I wanted it to. Yeah, well, I mean, Sarah don't give a shit, so <laughs> whatever. Yep. Um, so that's another another week in the books here at Go Check Yourself. Um, do you have any last words, Aaron? Do you want to say what you're thankful for? Yes, we should say what we're thankful for, Aaron. I am going to say that I am thankful for my health. For is because of my health and my body and my legs that I am here standing up talking to you on a computer right here. And if I did not have my legs, I guess I could still do the show, but I would just be sitting down. Uh, But I'm still standing up, and I'm glad that you have your health as well. And for that, I am thankful. Thank you so much. That's so nice. I'm thankful for our friendship. I'm just really happy that we sat next to each other in Dr. K's class. And that we just... Who would have thought that we'd be here today? So I'm thankful for that. Amen. Were you saying something? I took my headphones out for a second. (laughs) Uh, I said fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, we'll see you next week. I haven't wished the folks a safe drive in a while, but I feel like if you're, you're having a late Thanksgiving drive a few days after Thanksgiving, especially have a safe drive then, because there's going to be a lot of traffic. I'm Chris Gillespie. As always, food is sexy, especially in this episode when Morgan has his orgasm over his sweet (laughs) potato casserole. And I'm Aaron Arata, telling you that Sarah don't give a shit. Whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa, crazy. Surprise, I got you there. Also, anything is possible. Anything's possible. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Archive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.